at a pure church, a pure church. And we, uh, we see here in Acts 2 the, the, the foundation and the beginning of what we know as a New Testament church. So I want to just briefly kind of recap last Sunday. We, we looked in the morning and, and we began to break down the Great Commission. And one thing we looked at was having a balanced church and how we reach people. We want to be balanced inside the church and outside of the church, making sure we're focusing on the lost, all the while taking care of those who are within the church. We look around this room, and there's a lot of wonderful people inside this room. We have an obligation as a church to be there for each other, to build each other up, and to edify one another, and to be there to pray and to encourage one another. All the while, we must also be reaching out into a world that's lost and seeking to bring people to Christ. We have both responsibilities. And so we must be balanced. We can't be so heavily focused outward that we neglect the folks who are in the church. And we can't be so heavily focused inward that we forget about the people who are lost. And so we must have balance in those things. And so we spent some time looking at that. We looked at adding to the kingdom and, and seeing people saved here in our local Jerusalem. The people here in Ashland and in the surrounding areas and winning them to Christ and adding to the kingdom. Seeing people saved. We looked at multiplying the kingdom and and by God's grace and by his will and by his perfect plan, sending people out into this world, whether that's church planners or missionaries or continuing to support missionaries who are taking the gospel all throughout this world. And we want to reach out and multiply the kingdom. We can add right here and we can multiply by sending and by reaching and by supporting. We want to be a church that's praying for laborers to go and praying for lost to be saved, a praying church. We looked at that. We want to equip the church to reach out. We want to have things inside the church for people in Ashland to come to. We want to be a a place where they know they can come and be loved on and hear the gospel and and be cared for and prayed for and ultimately be saved. We want people to know this. We want to have opportunities for do so. We want to have services and provide materials. And we provided uh, different opportunities and and materials for folks to go out and to, to get the word out about First Baptist Church. They may come and hear the truth of the gospel and be genuinely born again. We want to see people saved, and so equipping the church to do that. And so Sunday morning, we looked at reaching. And then Sunday night, we looked at growing, a growing church. Not growing in number, which of course we want to do. Any church does. Any pastor wants to see growth numerically, of course they do. But beyond that, we want to grow spiritually. We want to grow in our relationship with Christ and Christ's likeness. And we looked at how that's going to unfold. And we looked into the different ways in which we're going to do that through regular service times, routine, structure, consistent services, preaching and teaching the word of God. And we began that last week with our midweek service. And I'll put another plug in for Wednesday night. If you you can make it Wednesday night, come join us. It's a great time, a more uh, intimate, closer fellowship, a more of a teaching time where we can just dive into the word of God and study it together and spend time together. It's a great time of fellowship. We really enjoyed our last Wednesday night. And so come and continue to grow. Maybe it's Sunday school. If you're not in a class, what a great chance to get engaged in a class and to grow in your relationship with others and your knowledge and your relationship with Christ. It's a great opportunity for growth. We think about discipleship and teaching from our youngest to the oldest, taking those those little kids who are downstairs right now and teaching them about the scriptures, the one true God, who Jesus is, what the church is for, eternal security, all these important things so that as they grow, They'll know what they know and why they know it. They won't be confused as they grow. Teaching them and discipling them and bringing them up, we'll we'll be doing some of that. We talked about the manner in preaching in which we'll be doing here real soon, expository preaching, just studying methodically through the Word of God. And so we looked at a growing church, and we want to be growing in likeness to Christ. And we know that as we grow, we're going to ultimately end up going. 
Right? As I grow in my relationship with Christ, it's going to make me want to uh, go reach more people for the cause of Christ. And so as we grow together, we will ultimately go together. And we will go and reach more people. And that's the heartbeat that we want to carry inside the church is to grow and to go. And today I want to look at where our power comes from. I've said it every time I think I've spoke. But we don't build the church. It's his church. And he builds the church. It's God's church. And he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. It's Jesus' church. And so Jesus is the one who builds a church. And we go back into the Old Testament. And all throughout the Old Testament, you see a theme that unfolds in the Old Testament. With obedience comes blessing. And with disobedience comes cursing, right? We see that all throughout the Old Testament. And my friends, that's true today. God is calling a church. The word church, Ecclesia, is a called out assembly. Right? We're called to be set apart, to be different. We're called to be pure. We're called to be a pure church. And I want to look today at the purity of the church. Now, this is not always an easy message to deliver, but my friend, I fear too often that there's a lot of churches and a lot of pastors and a lot of pulpits that are afraid to preach against sin. And I believe sin is still wrong. Right? We live in a time where I think sin is watered down. I believe it's, it's been uh, people are afraid to speak about it. They're afraid to speak about the consequences of sin. And my friend, one thing I know we're going to have at First Baptist Church, as long as I'm here as a pastor of this church, we're going to preach against sin. Because we all need to be seeking to be right before God. Sin is damaging. It's damaging to our relationship with God. It's damaging to our church. It's damaging to our relationships here on earth. It is, contains high consequences. And so we will preach against sin. We live in a generation that's getting softer and softer and softer. And I was reminded this morning of that very thing. My boy's pretty soft in some ways. Little Moses is soft. He, uh, the, the, the house we're, we're buying, we're going to go over and see it this afternoon and do some things, but the house we're buying has a, a tree house out back. And it's, a, it's an old wooden tree house. I love it. As, as a kid, I would have lived in that thing. And he's got an old tree house out back, and he sees it, and he's excited about it. But he asked Mom this morning, this is how soft we've gotten. He says, Mom, I want to play in that tree house, but can we put carpet on the floor? <laughs> And maybe even some carpet on the walls so I don't get stuck by those pointy things. He's talking about splinters. My boy had a splinter one time that I had to almost cut out of his finger. He was so deep. And he's like, like scarred him for life. And so now he's like, can we put carpet in there so I don't get splinters? I'm like, come on, son. I'm about to jam a piece of wood under your finger now if you keep talking like that. Toughen up, boy. So, but what a soft generation we have, we've become, amen? My own boy's the same way. I'm going to toughen him up a little bit. I'll get him. I'm going to go stick a splinter in his finger today just to toughen him up. I won't, I won't really do that. But how soft we are. But unfortunately, that has crept into the churches, right? It's crept into churches where we don't preach against sin. And we will be preaching against sin. We will be doing some of those things. That will happen. I think one of the reasons the church today, generally speaking, not FBC necessarily, but the reason we've lost a lot of our power is because we've lost a lot of our purity. There should be a distinction between the church and the world. And today, there's not as much as there once was. There was a day and time when there was a dramatic difference. The church was set apart. It was different. It was a salt which, had, which gave flavor. It was, it was a light that shined bright. But yet today there's some compromising between the church and the world. And Christ has called us to be set apart. We need to have purity to have power. I was, uh, when we bought our last home, I'm kind of cheap, all right, in some things. I like to save money. Maybe it's frugal. I like the word frugal better than cheap. But we, we bought our last home. We went in and we gutted the kitchen and we put a whole new kitchen in. My wife wanted a new kitchen. I says, all right, happy wife, happy life. Amen. All right. Yep. So I said, let's just do a whole new kitchen. So we ripped that thing out. 
down to the down to nothing and put a whole new kitchen back in it, new new cabinets and countertops and sink and the whole nine yards. Well, one of the things we replaced was a new dishwasher. And I thought, I'm going to save some money on the dishwasher. So I bought a cheap dishwasher. Don't ever buy a cheap dishwasher. Because it doesn't wash the glasses. It's a waste of time. Unless you, like, pre-wash them and, like, do it all, and then you put them in there almost clean already, it'll finally get them clean. But if there's anything on them, then it doesn't work, right? So we bought a cheap dishwasher, and it's been a headache for the last five years of my life because it doesn't clean the dishes. You think about a, a dish. You think about a cup or a glass, right? If you reach up into your cabinet and you pull out a glass, which happened to me a lot at my last house because it didn't do a very good job, and my kids will put away dirty dishes. They don't care. They could care less. They'll throw it in the cabinet like dad will deal with it, and I'll get it, and I'll fill up my water, and there's like floaty things in it. I'm like, what is this? That's disgusting. Right? So you dump it out. You, you grab a glass out of the cabinet, and if it's dirty, what do you do? You either put it back in the sink. You, you drink out of it. You either put it back in the sink, put it back in the dishwasher. You wash it before you drink. But you won't drink out of that dirty glass. Right? You want something that's clean. In the same way, I think God's looking for churches that are pure. He's looking for churches that are pure to use. And when we, are, when we are blemished, when we are dirty, when we are filthy, he says, ah, it's hard to use that church because he puts it back, right? And I'll take you to some text to support some of this here in just a minute. I think about we want to be a clean vessel that God can use. We want to be, when, when God reaches down for First Baptist Church, we want to be spotless, we want to be clean, we want to be pure before God. Now, we're not perfect people, and I'm not claiming we are. I'm not a perfect pastor. You're not a perfect person. So perfection is where we strive, but we won't receive that or reach that until we get to heaven one day, amen? But we push for that. We should strive for that. We should be seeking to be better tomorrow than I am today. And so we know that the early church was one who sought after these things. There is no doubt in the early church that we just read about in Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 47. There is no doubt that that church was seeking after God heavily and was pure. We know this because in Acts 17, 6, I remind you, as they spoke about the disciples, they said, these that have turned the world upside down. They had a tremendous amount of power. A small number did an amazing work for God. It doesn't take a bunch of people. It takes a small number when they're pure. And when God can use a few people to do an amazing work, I believe God can use a bunch of people to do an even greater work. Amen? But I believe we have to be pure. And when he reaches in and grabs FBC off the shelf, I want to be a pure vessel that God can use. You think about how are they pure. Look in your Bibles with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. The word of God will keep us from sin. If we study the word of God, sin will keep you from your Bible or your Bible will keep you from sin. As you study the word of God, you will ultimately, matter of fact, he says in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God will help keep us away from sin. And so as you and I seek to learn and grow in understanding of the word of God, it's going to help you and I personally walk closer with the Lord. And ultimately, that sanctification process, which is a lifelong journey. The very moment I got saved, I was a hot mess. And today, maybe I still am, but not quite like I was, right? That process has happened over the last, for me, four, uh, going on 15 years, right? That process of transformation into the image of Christ. I got saved, and God's desire is to take me at 30 years old and transform me into the image of Christ, which is perfection. And that's that sanctification process that begins. And those things that I did, I no longer do today because the Word of God has done a work in my life and the Spirit of God has done a work in my life. And that process has begun. Now, I'm not perfect today. None of us are. But I'm continuing. And I pray that next year, I'm closer to Jesus than I am this year. 
And I pray the year after that, I'm closer than that year. And we continue that process. Part of that is the word of God. The word of God, it says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is true. Psalm 119 says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The word of God will help you and I walk right with God. We get into the word of God and we study the word of God. It helps us. We see they did that in the early church. Look with me in in your Bible to Acts 2.42 as well. It says, not only the apostles' doctrine, it says also in fellowship. Listen, brothers and sisters of Christ, we need each other. Amen? We need to be in church. We need to be around our brothers and sisters in Christ. I need you. You need me. We need each other. Right? We need to be around brothers and sisters of Christ. This world is a tough place to live. Amen? It's a messed up place out there today, right? Just turn on the news, pick up a paper. It's a mess. And so we need to be around each other, encouraging each other, building each other up. And they did this. They fellowship together. As a matter of fact, in this time, they did it daily. Now, we get together a few times a week. And I mentioned last week, maybe we should meet daily. And I'm okay with that. I got plenty to say, obviously. So we could get together every day. But we should be fellowshipping together. And so we come together and we fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know about you, but I can't tell you how many times I've come to church not in a good place and I've left in a good place. Because someone grabbed my neck and gave me a hug. Some sweet person came over and encouraged me. It happens. Amen. I'm sure it's happened to you too. We need each other. That's part of that process. That fellowshipping together is important. And so we see they fellowshipped. It says they, they, uh, it says they uh, and in breaking of bread in verse 42, that's observing the Lord's Supper and, and looking back to what Christ has done and looking ahead to what his return as well. And so they did that. They obviously, and in prayers, they prayed for one another. My friends, we need to be praying for each other. We need to be a praying church, praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ, taking the prayer bulletin and lifting those names up in prayer. Right, Praying for our, our church family, praying for the lost, praying for laborers. We see they also, in verse 43, look what verse 43 says. It says, and fear came upon every soul. My friend, when you and I are in a right standing with God, we will have a healthy fear of God. And a fear of God is a good thing. I'm not talking about, you think about, uh, I liken it somewhat under my relationship with my earthly father. My earthly father told me to do something, I better do it. Right? And if I didn't, there was consequences. I didn't fear my earthly father. My father was going to physically harm me. But I did fear that if I knew what he said, there's going to be some accountability with that. Amen? There's going to be some old woodshed talk. Right? Remember those days? There's going to be some of those things. Right? Now today, we don't do much of that. We need to get back to the woodshed days. Amen? But anyway, that's a different story. That's a different sermon for a different day. But there was a healthy fear there. We're called to have a healthy fear of God. The Bible says in Proverbs that the fear is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to have a healthy fear of God. It says they feared. It says fear came upon every soul. And then it says many wonders and signs were done because of that fear. You know what helps me maintain a right walk with God is I'm afraid to get out of his will. I don't want to live my life outside the will of God because I know outside the will of God, that's a dangerous place for me as a believer to be. Because God loves me so much more than my earthly father loves me. And if I get outside of God's will, he's going to bring me back in line. And I don't want God to have to bring me back in line. I want to stay in line. Amen. And so that fellowship and that prayer and that healthy fear of God helps me stay in line with a holy God. And as a result, we have a pure church next to we move on. We see fear. We see unity. Look what else it says in, uh, in your text there. Verse 44 says, and all that believed were together and had all things common. There was unity inside of this church. They were working together, not striving together, working together. There was unity together. They had all things common. They were coming along beside one another. There was not conflict. There was not disputes. They had all things common. Verse 45 says they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men 
as every man had need. They cared for one another. There was complete unity in that early church. And as they were together and, and fellowshipping together and reading the word of God and, fellowship, and all those things and fear, they came along and there was purity inside of that church. They met daily, verse 46 says. And so they had routine worship, and I think that's important. Routine worship and, and being under the preaching and teaching of the word of God, that's important. They had singleness of heart, it says in verse 46. Singleness of heart, that alignment, right? And then ultimately, verse 47, it led to praise. They praised God, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the result was the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Why was God able to bless? Because there was purity in that early church. Why was there purity? Because of those things we just read. We dive into the scriptures and we see that there was purity within that early church. And because there was purity, there was great power. Matter of fact, it says many wonders and signs were done by those apostles. They did amazing works. And I believe, my friend, that God can still do amazing things. I believe he can still save souls. I believe he can still have a revival in 2020. I believe it can still happen because I believe God is capable of those things. I believe he is, but he's looking for purity. I've heard it said before. Purity in the pulpit leads to power in the pulpit. Purity in the pews leads to power in the pews. We must be pure. A pure church before God is a powerful church used by God. And where there is no purity, there is no no power. It was said once before, a quote I saw, it says, It is not great talents God blesses, so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. When we get right with God and we are usable by God and we are pure as we can be. Now, we're not perfect. Again, I'll remind you, we're going to make some mistakes. We're not perfect people. And praise be to God, 1 John 1, 9 says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? I'm thankful that he forgives us of our sins. And so when we mess up, we seek forgiveness. We get right. If we got a relationship we need to fix, fix it. Right? Go get right with that person and move on. Amen? Continue to move on. He says a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. And so was this church in Acts 2 made up of perfect people? Absolutely not. But they were people who sought after God. They were people who were, who were seeking after Christ, trying to be more like Christ than they were. They were doing the things they needed to do to be right with Christ. They were seeking to align themselves with God. Singleness of heart, unity, fear, helping, fellowshipping, studying, routine worship, all these things. They did all these things, and God did a tremendous work. And Acts 17, 6 says they turned the world upside down. God can do a great work in and among us. I'm confident of this. We know they're not perfect. Simon Peter was a mess. Study out his life through Scripture, right? He denied Christ. He, I've, my, uh, my, my former pastor liked to call him the disciple with the foot-shaped mouth. He always was saying stuff he shouldn't be saying, right? He was that guy. So he's not perfect, but yet God used him tremendously, right? God used him tremendously. It gives us hope. We know Thomas doubted. We know the disciples were arguing who's the greatest, right? James and John, who's going to sit on the, the right and left hand of the Father, right? All these, all these things they argued with, right? So we know they're not perfect, but yet God used them in an amazing way because they sought after God. They were seeking to be right with God. And so we must be, we see, seeking after purity in order to have power. The Word of God helps us with this. I want to look at the fellowship we have together and begin to break down the church as a whole. The word church is a translation of the Greek word ecclesia, if I'm saying that right, which is defined as an assembly or called out ones. Called out ones. We're called to be different, right? The church is made up of people who do make mistakes. We're not perfect. The church is not made up of perfect people. It's made up of forgiven people. 
It's made up of people who have come to Christ and been born again. So we're not perfect, but yet we admit our failures and we seek after Christ. I know I'm not a perfect pastor. I understand this, but I will seek as best I can to follow after Jesus Christ. Am I going to mess up? Yep. You hang around me long enough, I'm going to make some mistakes. But I'm seeking as best I can after Jesus, and I pray and trust and hope that you are doing the same. You think about the church today, there's a lot of failures and scandals inside of the church. Speaking generally, there's a lot of things inside the church, a lot of hypocrisy. You hear all the time, I'm not going to go to church because it's full of hypocrites, right? I get sick every time I say that. I'm like, well, you are too. Come join us, okay? We're all hypocrites, all right? None of us are perfect. We're not perfect people, right? I, I don't let that keep you out of church. But we hear that today. The church has a bad rap because there's been a period of time in which the church is starting to become to look more and more like the world. And we're called to be, as I remind you, an assembly or called out ones. We're called to be different. We're not called to look like the world. We begin to think about uh, what a church should look like. And obviously, we know we should seek to look like Christ and to act and behave and to talk and to think like Christ. And I'm not talking about the obvious sins. I'm not talking about the, the obvious sins such as murder or stealing or adultery. We may have those things in check. My friend, there's a lot more. And when we talk about sin, and I'll, let me hit this for just a second. My friend, all sin is damaging. All sin is damaging. It doesn't matter. We like to classify sins and justify sins and say, well, it's not that bad. My friend, all sin, as we just heard Barb sing, think about that cross. All sin put our Savior on that cross. All the sin of mankind, every single lie, every single little little thing we do, every single thought that I have that's not right or impure, whatever it may be, everything I've done, everything that I've done that violates God's standard is sin. And all sins are damaging. All sins will, will send me to hell for all eternity. All sins required my Savior to go to the cross. All sin did that. And so I'm not talking about just these big sins. I'm talking about all sin. May we strive as a church to be free of sin as best we possibly can, to be seeking after God. And if we know we have sin in our life, seeking to confess it, get right, and turn away from it. That's repentance. Churches suffer because a tolerated presence of sin. And we're going to look in detail at some of this tonight. But the tolerated sin is gossip and envy and pride and hate and coveting and unforgiveness and imaginations and all these things. These little sins that are quote unquote hidden or, or smaller sins. Those affect the church. Those affect the church just as much as what we would deem as maybe bigger sins. I want to remind you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Just a little sin messes up the whole thing. No sin within the church can be an isolated event. Just as it was with the sin of Achan, the sin had to be purged or else it would contaminate the whole thing. And that's the story we're going to dive into tonight, Lord willing, and the church don't rise, all right? The stress we see is on the, the unity in the church, the, the whole of the church. I want to take you back, and I didn't, let me grab a verse for you real quick. This is a uh, good verse out of Song of Solomon. You don't maybe hear a whole lot of sermons preached out of Song of Solomon, but I want to remind us of something this morning. In Solomon, Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15, there's a verse, and I heard a pastor preach on this one time. We think about, it's the, it's the, it's the big sins. Just stay away from those things, and we're going to be okay. But there's a verse in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 15. He says, take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. He says, it's the little ones that get you, right? We focus on the big things. I got those things in check. He says, no, no, no. Watch after the little ones. They spoil the vines. 
My friends, it's the, it's the sins that we would classify as small things that can be very damaging and, and, and hurtful to the church. And so we must be watching all of these things. My friend, all sin is sin and must be dealt with. All sin has consequences. All sin, as we see in Scripture, separates. All sin causes conflict. All sin is damaging. And so we need to deal with all sin, not just the major sins of today, but all sin. I've heard it said that the biggest challenge facing the church today isn't the external attacks. Matter of fact, study out the book of Acts. And the external attacks on the church only strengthened the church. It only made it stronger and greater and healthier. They overcame it. You know where the greatest influence and the greatest harm to the church was? was internally. It was internally. The issues within the church were the most harmful things. The external attacks were going to come. But in, we study out through Acts and beyond, those things only strengthened the church. And so inside of the church, we must be a pure church. Church is a glorious word. Our Lord Christ used it when he said he will build his church, as I referenced in Matthew 16, 18. To be called out, we see. And I want to take you to another place uh, in Scripture, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And it kind of walked through this verse. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You think about this verse. This verse tells us we are a chosen generation. I'm not talking about election or God specifically choosing some to be saved or not saved. He is according to his foreknowledge. The scripture makes that clear, and that's not for today. But a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I don't know about you, but I sometimes don't feel very priestly. But we're a royal priesthood, right? We are a holy nation, a peculiar people. Now, I do feel pretty peculiar sometimes, but that's for different reasons. A peculiar people, which means we're different. Do you realize, church, and hear me on this. We should not act and talk and think like the world does. There should be a difference. The way I live my life should not be the same as an unbeliever lives their life. Now, I'm not saying I'm any better than an unbeliever. Don't, don't, don't mis- misconstrue this. I'm not saying me and an unbeliever side by side, we should act and talk and think differently. We shouldn't act and talk and think the same. I'm a peculiar or a different person, right? I'm in Christ. I'm not better than the lost person. They get saved They're just like me. It's possible. I'm no better. But I ought to be a little bit different. The way I talk and the way I think and the way I act and the way I treat my wife and the way I treat other people and the way I live my life and the way I try and honor God with my life, it ought to be different. If my life's not any contrary or any different than an unbeliever, the Bible says we should be a peculiar person. You know what people should do when they look at the church? They should look at the church and say there's something different about them. There's something different about those people. And it ought to be a good thing. Right? It ought to be a good thing. They look to the church, which is you and me. It's not a building. It's us. And they say, you know what? They talk different. And they act different. And they forgive people differently. And they love people differently. Right? There ought to be something when they look to the church, me and you, that they say, there is something different about those people. And I think I like it. Because they ought to want some of it. Amen? They ought to look to the church and say, I don't know what that person has, but I want that. I need that. Right? We ought to be there to love and to encourage and to show grace and to show mercy and, and to speak truth and to do all those things and balance all those things. And we should be different. He says we should be a peculiar people. He says that you should show forth. Think about this, church. Hear me. We should show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness. My friend, we've been called out of darkness, not to live any longer therein. Out of darkness into whose marvelous light? His marvelous light. I'm called to live my life to honor him. I'm called to live in the light, to walk in that marvelous light of Christ. I ought to be different. We ought to be different. 
Church, we need to be set apart. Scripturally, we see that. We should be known for this. It ought to be something that people look to the church, to me and to you. Again, the church is me and you. It's us. It's people. We are the church, and we ought to be different. Philippians 1.5 says, For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, our fellowship ought to be in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our conversation, Philippians 1.27 says, should be as, as it becometh the gospel of Christ. My, my conversation, my conduct should be as the gospel of Christ. In other words, I should be living my life as Christ lived his life. He lived, he, he loved grace, mercy, truth, all those things. My life should be seeking to align with that. Seeking to be like Christ. We see that. It's the love of Christ that constrains us. My friend, we should be living our life to show forth the praises of God, to bring glory to God, and to bring honor to God. And we know that sin does not do that. And so as a church, one of the things we want to look to to 2020 is a balanced church in all things, reaching out into this world, taking care of those who are within. But my friend, I also want us to be a pure church. I want us to be a church that's seeking every day to draw closer to Jesus Christ. I know this. If you guys knew me about 20 years ago, you'd be shocked. God's done a great work in my life. He's done a great work in my life. And I don't take any credit for this. I'm the same guy. But when the Spirit of God and the Word of God get a hold of you, it's going to change your life. It should change your life. I've heard it said before that you cannot meet Jesus and it not change who you are. Right? As soon as we come to faith in Christ, it should change us. And that process should begin to make us look more like Jesus Christ. And the more we look more like Jesus, the more we're going to be set apart. The more people are going to look to us and say they're a peculiar people. And that's a good thing. We should be seeking to live and honor him and to live like Christ lived. They should look to the church and say this. I I pray that people will look to First Baptist Church of Ashton, Ohio and say, I don't know what's going on inside of that church, but those people are different. And I pray it's a good thing. I want to be set apart, a called out assembly. I want to be those who are seeking after Christ. Are we perfect? By no means are we perfect, but we're striving. What communion hath light with darkness, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, he says, Come out from among them and be ye separate. He tells us to be separate, to be set apart from those things. Touch not an unclean thing. He tells us in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, he says, Perfect holiness in the fear of God. And so we see all throughout the scripture, we're called to seek after Christ, to perfect holiness, to be separate from those. What communion hath light with darkness? We're called as a church to be different, peculiar, set apart, called out. We ought to look and talk and act and think different than the world. And people ought to see that and want some of that. I remember there's several people in my life who I, I recall as a lost person seeing them. One of them being one of my own family members, my grandmother. And she just was different in a good way. She had a heart for Jesus. I told you about her, I think, last week. She taught Sunday school as long as I could possibly remember. She was the sweetest lady I've ever met in my life. She loved Jesus. And that, you know, that lady had a huge impact in my life. I was lost as a young man, teenage boy. I used to go out and work on their farm every, every summer, help my granddad out there, and then she would take care of us, and she was just a sweetheart. I never heard one foul word come out of that lady's mouth. She just behaved herself, and she acted differently, and she just treated us differently, and she had love, and she had grace, and she showed mercy, but yet she, she held to her standards and her principles, and she was a tremendous influence on my life. I remember looking to my grandmother as a lost person saying, there's something about this woman. She is unlike any other. And the relationship we had was tremendous. And I know she was heavily praying for me. I know that for a fact. And she made a tremendous impact in my life. My friends, we should all do the same. Every born-again believer, people should look to and say, there's something different about Matt. There's something different about you. 
The way they live their life is not the way people live their lives. They show grace. They show love. They show mercy. They speak truth. They, they stand strong on their principles. They stand strong on what they believe. They love people. They ought to look to the church and see those things. But we need to be a pure church that's seeking to follow after Jesus Christ. We see that. And I'll remind you the consequences of not doing so. The consequences of not doing so are spelled out for us in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. These letters to the seven churches scare me. They literally scare me. Because you study through Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, and Jesus himself, it's his church, right? And he wrote these letters to the angel or to the pastors of the church. And when he wrote these letters, five of the churches, he had some things that he had to deal with, right? I've got somewhat against you. There's some things they were not doing right. Two of the churches were doing some things really well, and he commended them. He had nothing negative to say of them, which is where we want to be, amen? But he had five of those churches, he said, I have somewhat against you. And in in Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, he's talking to the church of Ephesus here. And they had left, according to verse 4, it says they had left their first love, right? Not lost, left their first love, right? And in verse 5, he says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. Picture with me for a moment. There's little candles all over this landscape. Little lights burning for Christ called churches. And he says, I want you to be pure. I want you to be called out. I want you to be an assembly set apart for my service and to bring glory to my name and to win people to Jesus. And I want you to, to let your light shine bright. And he says, but you need to do it the way I've commanded you in scripture to do it. And the moment we start being impure and, and not, a, not following his word, He says, you need to repent. He says, or I will come quickly. And he says there in that verse, he says, remove thy candlestick out of his place. There's a little light shining in Ashton, Ohio called First Baptist Church. And if Jesus ever reaches down and puts that light out, we're done. Right? We're done. It's his church. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And so if he ever reaches down and snuffs out that light, it's game over because now we're meeting for no reason. So we need Jesus. We need to do church Jesus' way. We need to honor him inside of the church. How do we do that? We adhere to the way he's instructed us. We're called out assembly. We seek to honor him. He says, if you've got things you need to deal with, he says in that verse, repent or else. There's consequences. You remember consequences with your parents? I do. I remember my dad saying, do it or else. I knew what that or else meant. I didn't need to ask. I knew what it meant, right? Jesus says, repent or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick. My friend, I want that light at FBC of Ashland to shine bright. And in order for it to shine bright, we have got to be a church that's seeking after Christ. We're seeking after Christ to do all that we can to live for him, to honor him, to glorify him, to live a life that's set apart for him, pointing people to him and not allowing ourselves to give in to this worldly culture around it and giving in to sin. Are we perfect? No. Again, I I remind you, we're going to make some mistakes along the way. But let us have a heart that seeks after Christ, seeking to be better every day than we were the previous day. I want to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, and more like Christ next week than I am this week. And the church is continuing to do that. Sin is seductive, and it will draw us in. It will draw us in, but at the core of it is damage and destruction. And so we must be careful, church, to not get caught up in some of those things. And I'll share tonight... Some details of that. We're going to look at one, possibly two, if I have time tonight, stories in scriptures of where impurities came into the church or where impurities came into, in one situation, Israel, and how it was handled. And I want to look into that tonight, so I want to encourage you to come back with us tonight. But I don't know where you find yourself this morning. I don't know where you find yourself in your walk with Christ. I don't know if you're where you want to be or not. 
That's between you and the Lord. I don't know, number one, I don't know if you're genuinely born again, if you're saved. Only you and the Lord know that. My job is not to determine your salvation. The Bible says, let a man examine his own self. So I don't know where you find yourself this evening. If you're saved, if you're in Christ, you're born again. My friend, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, my friend, do not put off that decision. Today, the Bible says you can come, and today can be the day of your salvation. You can come today, myself or one of these men can share Christ with you, and you can know today. The Bible says very clearly, you can know that today can be the day of your salvation. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. If you're not certain of your salvation, you don't know. On the way home today, if you didn't make it, if you don't know that you would be in heaven, my friend, don't delay that decision. I don't know about you, but I would never want to live my life questioning my salvation. I want to live my life knowing. And the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, we can know that we have eternal life. We believe in the name of the Son of God. And so if you're here today and you're not certain of your salvation, my friend, here in a minute, we'll have an altar talk, a call and a time for you where you can come, grab me, grab one of these guys, and we'll share Christ with you. And you can get that settled this morning. You can get that dealt with today. Grab me after service, whatever. We can get that dealt with. Wherever you find yourself in your walk with the Lord, maybe you've been saved, you've never been baptized, you need to take that step. Come forward, let us know that. We'll help you take that next step of obedience. He's called us to obedience. If you need to be baptized, come see me. We can get that scheduled. We can get that taken care of. And you can follow through in believer's baptism. If you need discipleship, come join us on Wednesday nights. It's going to be a wonderful time of discipleship. If you don't have a Sunday school class, grab me. Grab one of these guys. Find a class. Get plugged in. Whatever decision you need to make, my friend, listen, today, just make the decision that God has laid on your heart. Wherever you are, take that next step. Walk with Jesus. My friend, let's, let's seek to be a pure church that's called out, set apart, that we may simply just point people to Jesus and let that light shine bright, see people saved, see people baptized, see people discipled, and let God get all of the glory because he deserves it. It's his church. Amen. Would you stand with me and close your eyes and bow your heads with me in prayer? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you know for sure you're saved, you have no doubt you're born again, you're going to heaven, you know you're in Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hands, testimony that, and say, man, I know I'm going to heaven, I know I'm saved. I see those hands all over the room. Praise the Lord. That's great. That's great. If you're here this morning and you say, Matt, I don't know for sure. I'm not 100% certain of my salvation. I don't know that if I didn't make it home today, I don't know if I'd be in heaven. I think, or maybe I hope so, but I don't know so. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I ask you the same question. My friend, if you don't know, would you raise your hand that I might pray for you? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just I might pray for you. Anyone this morning that would say, Matt, I'm not certain of my salvation. I don't know. Anyone this morning? Very good. Church, I want to challenge and encourage you. Whatever step you need to take in your walk with Christ. If you're here and you've never been baptized, you want to get baptized, come let us know. If you're here and you need discipleship, come let us know. If you're here and you just want to come and get on this altar and spend some time with God this morning, my friend, don't ignore that. Come do that. Spend some time with God this morning. Allow Him to work in and through your life. And just seek to surrender your life more each and every day over to Him. May we be a church that seeks to bring glory to His name. Father, we love you. God, I thank you so much for these folks who are here this morning. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these people, Lord. I pray for each one in this room. God, that we would just continuously, daily make decisions to follow after you, to seek to live a life that honors you, that glorifies you. And Lord, as a church, may we be a pure church. When you reach into that cabinet and you pull out First Baptist Church, may we be found pure. We know where there's purity, there's power. And so God, help us. Whatever we need to deal with in life, if there's sins in our life we need to deal with, God, help us to deal with them. Lord, help us to live a life that honors you. I pray for each person in this room that we would all do that. Lord, whatever decision needs to be made today, may they make it. If there's one who's not saved, may they get saved today. Father, we love you. We praise you. Be with our invitation time. May your perfect will be done. It's in Jesus' most precious name that we pray. Amen.
Let's all sing together this morning. Sing out with me this morning. If you need to come spend some time at the altar this morning, feel free to do so. Let's, let's sing this morning. Uh,